Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of La Liga Lowdown to our Match Day 34 recap. I'm your host Jim McTeer and as always this episode is rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. Now we've got so much to discuss in this next half hour or so because this was a dramatic weekend of La Liga action. We really are approaching the business end of the season now and Atletico Madrid remain top of the table as we do so. It wasn't easy for Simeone's side though as they went away to Elche. They started really well and went ahead with a deflected Marcus Llorente goal and also had a couple of Luis Suarez goals ruled out for offside. But then Atleti retreated and retreated and allowed Elche to come onto them. And then in the final minute, an incorrect handball call on Trippier gave Elche a free kick and from that free kick a correct Llorente handball call gave Elche a penalty, but then this happened. It's Fidel for the tie, the stutter, the strike, and it's off the post. Oblak pushes it wide with his eyes, and Atleti holds on to the lead. Yes, Elche's Fidel missed the penalty, hitting off the post. So Atletico won 1-0. It might be a bit generous to say that Oblak saved it with his eyes, but there was a little controversy because Oblak was just off his line when it was struck. But the rules state that the keeper being a little off his line isn't enough for the penalty to be retaken if the miss is off target and not a goalkeeper save. So Atleti hold on and take three vital points. Now that his heart rate has finally dropped back down to a normal level after all that, we've got Atleti fan Jeremy Berrin here now. Jeremy, who also runs the Into the Calderon SB Nation page. Now, what were your emotions through that whole penalty sequence? You know, you and I was still fuming about the free kick decision when I saw Meleto Lopez point to the spot. Everything was happening very quickly, but obviously a heavy, heavy sigh of relief once I processed that Fidel had smashed the penalty off the post. That's a miss that, particularly if Elche go down, he will never forget. That said, it was a terrible decision to punish Trippier with a handball call there. So it was justice, in a sense, for Atletico. The cross coming in never touched Trippier. It should never have been a free kick. However, Llorente's infraction was clear. You know, we just had the NFL draft over the past few days, and Llorente looked like an NFL wide receiver 
trying to catch a pass that was sailing out of his reach. That's how clear-cut his handball was. So yeah, a bad sequence to be sure, though it never should have been that close. It never should have come to that for several reasons. Exactly. So let's talk about those reasons, because Atleti should have been winning more comfortably, right? They should have. Yeah, certainly they should have. Atletico jumped all over Elche immediately and were vastly superior in that first half. Luis Suarez nearly bagged his 20th goal of the season twice, and Atleti could have had a penalty of their own for a handball, though this one went to VAR, and I think the decision not to award it was the correct one, though who really knows what a handball is anymore. Llorente's goal was deflected, his 12th of the season, he just continues to ring up ridiculous numbers from midfield, was the least uh, the Atleti deserved for that first half dominance, and really kind of wild to contrast Atleti's performance in the first half with what happened in the second. Yeah, in the second, they were quite conservative, and Simeone has been criticized for that. Fairly so, in your opinion? It is, yeah. The criticism is fair, but Simeone has done this for years. He's going to keep doing it, and Atletico are going to have to live with the results, good or bad. This game reminded me of one that took place at Malaga, at La Rosaleda back in 2018, when Antoine Griezmann literally scored in the first minute, I think around 40 seconds into the game. Malaga ended up having more possession than Atletico, as the Rohi Blancos shut up shop after that and went on to win 1-0. On that day and on Saturday, this approach worked. Against, say, Real Madrid in March, it didn't work. I think Cholo might get some strange joy out of daring a relegation-threatened team to break down his defense that's playing with a one-goal lead on the road. Maybe there's a clause in his contract with bonuses that kick in when he makes defensive substitutions. Either way, the second half was disappointing. I was watching La Liga TV's broadcast, and they were incandescent about what Atletico were doing. And Simeone said it himself post-game. Over the final half hour, his team created nothing. Now, he has to bear responsibility for that. Uh, the strategy here wasn't necessarily his most pragmatic. It was more dangerous than pragmatic. And Atletico flashed, dare I say it, the luck of a champion to get out of the Martinez Valletta with all three points. Luis Suarez was fully back, leading the line. What did you think of his first start since the injury? Suarez looked slow. His timing was off, as evidenced by his two offside goals on either side of halftime. But he came to life when the ball came his way and when Correa, Carrasco, Hermoso were all playing closer to him, almost like that's not a coincidence. Hopefully, the roughly 140 minutes he's logged since returning from that muscular injury have shaken off the rust to the point where he'll be a serious threat against his old team next week. Yeah, that's right. It's Barcelona versus Atletico at the Camp Nou next week. What's your early thoughts ahead of that one, Jeremy? Yeah, this is the big one. Uh, Atletico have won five and lost only twice two teams in the top seven this year and will have to avoid defeat here, though even a draw could potentially open the door for Real Madrid to snatch first place if they beat Sevilla on uh, next Sunday. Atletico haven't won at Camp now since 2006 when Messi was just establishing himself. He was just a tyke then. And Simeone's men are going to have to have the heart and maybe the luck of a champion to end that barren run. Strange things tend to happen in this fixture. Own goals, weird red cards, Diego Godin winning a title with his legendary noggin. So I can't wait to see what weirdness slash nonsense will take place this time around. It will be decisive. 
No doubt about that. I can't wait either. We'll get on to the other teams in the title race in part two of the podcast. The teams breathing down Atletico's neck. For now, though, we're going to move on to talk about one of the other main storylines of the weekend. We go from the league leaders to the team rock bottom of the table. We go to Ibar because Kiki Garcia was magical as Ibar earned a huge 3-0 win over Alaves. This is our sore throat game of the week, the match where we discuss it by bringing you the wildest commentary clips. And we've got Sam Leverage coming up then to talk us through it all. Over to you, Sam. Going into this one, Ibar was six points from safety with five games to go, and they knew it was now or never. Up against Alaves, they've been revived under Javi Calleja, but a derby of sorts in the Basque Mountains came together, and it was always going to be a clash of two very physical, very hard-working sides. And it was actually the most physical, the most hard-working player who made the difference right from the off with Kike Garcia opening the scoring after just two minutes of play. Let's tune in to hear about that magnificent goal as the ball bobbled up in the air and Garcia poked it home. As we heard there from the guys at Carrusel Deportivo and Cardena Ser, they celebrated it like it was a Champions League final because that's just how much it means to Ibar. It was a huge goal from Kike Garcia and it gave Ibar the lead and kept their hopes alive for the season. They knew they'd have to fight a bit more and they fought throughout the first half. No real major chances for either side, but both teams pressing. And it wasn't until the second half that Ibar would get the second goal to decide the tie. And again, it was Alaves who just took a few minutes to wake up at the start of the second half, and Kike Garcia wasn't hanging around for anybody. Tiempo de juego en Cope de telling us about how the gladiator, the killer, Kike Garcia, converted to make it 2-0 to Ibar to give them hope, light, oxygen. And that was just what Ibar needed. Two-goal lead was huge for Ibar. They started playing with confidence. They started playing the kind of football that we come to know Ibar for playing. They looked like a team that believed that they can stay up. And it took just seven minutes before Kike Garcia completed his hat-trick, his first in the first division of Spanish football, and his first since he was with Real Murcia in 2014. So let's tune in to hear what that was like. Oh. 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 Oh.
apura hasta la línea de fondo, la pisa, se viene un metrito para adentro, casi sin ángulo, todo Kiski esperando el centro y dice no, 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 directo, la pega con la derecha, golazo de Quique García, el tercero, hacktrick para seguir soñando. Carousel Deportivo telling us what a golazo that was from Kike Garcia. He cut inside. It looked like he was going to cross the ball back across, but he didn't. He sent a rocket straight into the roof of the net. And Ibar with 3-0 up. A huge win. We've heard it all about Kike Garcia. We've heard him called a gladiator. We've heard him called a killer. But what did Jose Luis Mendilibar have to say about him after the match? How would he describe Kike Garcia? Es un zoquete currela. Es un zoquete currela is what Mendilibar said, is a hard-working oaf. But he loved him on Saturday afternoon, as those goals meant there was a first win in 16 La Liga matches. And after 1,500 minutes without going ahead on the scoreboard, Ibar were back in the lead and have a chance of survival. There's still five points from safety. Alaves and Vial lead on 31 points, Ibar on 26. But for Alaves, it does mean that the fight goes on. Javi Calleja tasted defeat for the first time since arriving. And it just goes to show that this relegation dogfight is going right down to the wire. It sure is going down to the wire. At this point, with four rounds to go, Ibar remain bottom on 26 points. Then Elche are second bottom on 30 points after their loss to Atletico. And Huesca are third bottom also on 30 points after they earned a huge win of their own this weekend to defeat Real Sofidad 1-0. It was a Sandro free kick that was turned into his own net by Aritz El Estondo, and that means Huesca are still dreaming of survival too. The great Huescape, as we'd say. Because just one point above the edge of the relegation zone are Real Valladolid and Alaves, both on 31 points. Those are the clubs with the, the metaphorical bullseye on their backs for the trio currently in the drop zone. Alaves, of course, were the team who suffered that loss to Iber that Sam just described. Real Valladolid drew yet again because... That's what they do, this time against Real Betis. It's 16 draws now for Real Valladolid this season, the most in the whole division. And Real Betis are also becoming consistent drawers. Uh, interestingly, or maybe this is just interesting to me, Real Betis didn't draw any of their first 12 matches of the season. They either won or lost every time. But now they've drawn their past six in a row. It's a little weird, but anyway, that brings us to the end of part one. Stay tuned because part two and our Barcelona and Real Madrid discussions are coming up in just a few ticks. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome back into this episode of La Liga Lowdown. We explained at the start of the episode how Atletico held on for dear life to pick up three points at the top of the table. That left Barcelona and Real Madrid needing wins of their own to keep pace and they both achieved it. Barcelona did so in thrilling fashion as they won 3-2 away at Valencia. It was Valencia who scored first actually, Gabriel Paulista scoring from a corner at the start of the second half but over the next 20 minutes, Barcelona turned it around. First, Messi missed the penalty, but eventually scored from the rebound. Then Griezmann scored from a rebound of a Frankie de Jong shot. De Jong, by the way, was absolutely brilliant. Next, Messi called in a free kick because for him, free kicks are easier than penalties. And then Carlos Soler pulled one back with a thunderous long range strike, but it wasn't enough for Valencia. All this action took place in the vicinity of Paco Pollitt, a resident Valencia fan. Let's discuss the game then, Paco. Just like last week in Barcelona's win at Villarreal, it was as if conceding the opening goal sparked Barca into life. How do you explain them scoring those three goals in such quick succession? We've seen it quite a few times this season already, for example in the Copa del Rey final against Athletic Club. They held back Barca for a full first half, but once they allowed the first goal in, things went quickly south for Athletic Club. Valencia suffered the same fate due to a childish mistake by Tony Lato with an unnecessary handball inside the box. Once Barca slotted the first one in, the snowball got rolling and Valencia got trampled by it. It's more or less Barca's standard procedure, taking advantage of the opposition's dizziness after scoring the first one, to then crush them with the second and third very quickly. I'd say their game and playstyle flows much more easily once the players get confident after opening the scoreboard. Over the 90 minutes, Valencia had some good moments and some bad moments. What was your take on their performance overall? Well, disappointing as the season has been overall, Valencia once again showed their least awful face against a big side, as it's become some sort of staple this season. Remember, they scored four against Real Madrid at Mestalla and have fought with energy against the top four or five teams of the league. Their first half was a purely defensive effort, with three at the back, placing Gaya and Thierry Correa wide open in the wings and trying to clog the midfield in order to stop Messi and Barca's playmakers from generating chances. And it almost worked perfectly for 50 minutes. However, after Paulista scored the opener, a couple of concentration mistakes took a toll on their confidence. Points made, Messi getting his penalty saved by Silesen, but Valencia's defense allowing up to three extra shots inside the box until Messi again scored the leveler. At the end of the day, it wasn't Valencia's worst game, far from it, but it's still not good enough. Which was better, Paco? Messi's free kick or Soler's blast? 
You know, I believe both of them are candidates for goal of the weekend and show very different skills at work. Messi's free kick was smooth and classy, Soler's rocket was an example of sheer power and strength against one of Europe's best goalkeepers as Ter Stegen. I very much admire Messi's silky touch in his unstoppable execution, but at the same time I love the underdog quality of a youngster like Carlos Soler just giving his all in a mighty shot from outside the box and scoring a long-ranged beauty. So I have to pass in this comparison because both of them are great, great goals. Fair enough. Last question for you, Paco, and it's quite a general one. Just why is every Valencia and Barcelona game so entertaining? There always seems to be like three, four or five goals. I'd blame just how inconsistent both their defenses are. In Barca's case, there's an excuse behind as their playstyle usually collides with a more conservative defending, Barca won the ball to attack more, and that leaves their defense in the open more often. In Valencia's case, since Marcelino was sacked two years ago, their defensive expertise was blown up and now they are a clumsy side in both boxes, poorly trained in defending and not that crafty when scoring. They usually compensate with an increase in their motivation, as it often happens when teams face Barca or Real Madrid. They run more, they press more, their drive is much bigger, so that provides plenty of twists and turns in any game, and if we add poor defending in both ends into the mix, goals eventually start piling up. Okay, thanks Paco. Real Madrid then won as well this weekend, taking a 2-0 victory at home to Osasuna. It might sound on paper as if their win was a lot more comfortable than those of Atleti and Barcelona, but not really. It wasn't until the 76th and 80th minutes that Real Madrid got their goals, doing so with a Brazilian touch, with a Sao Paulo touch, more specifically, as both Eder Militao and Casemiro scored. Let's break this one down now with Real Madrid journalist Emily Wilson. Given the way it was going, with it 0-0, and given the personnel on the pitch at the time, were you confident Real Madrid would win the game as it entered the final 20 minutes? Like, around the time that Hazard was subbed off, what were your thoughts then, Emily? Even before the Brazilian duo found the net, I was struggling to see Madrid finishing with a win, I'll be honest. Over the 70-75 minutes that they were first playing, you know, nothing was too decisive. Marco Asensio was doing well, Vinicius Jr. had a few good shots, obviously Militao was good in the box as well, but just, again, at the end of the day, nobody was finding the right angle or the right amount of power behind the shot to get the ball in the net. They've also had a tireless campaign and over 50 injuries. Who knows what the future holds? So there comes a point where the possibility of dropping points might linger. But in the end, really, that's what makes this side so special in the same light. You know, when push comes to shove, they show they'll fight until the very last second of a match to get the job done. And thankfully, through Militao and Casemiro, that's what happened on Saturday, regardless of the immense attacking power on the sheet. So Militao got the breakthrough goal and he'd had several other chances too. How fun was it for a Real Madrid fan to see him getting so involved in attack? When Real Madrid first signed Militao, you know, lots of papers had labeled him as Ramos's successor and it's pretty clear he picked up the traits of the captain since he's been at the club. Um, finding space in the box and scoring clutch goals is just peak Ramos behavior and Militao completely embodies that. 
Additionally, though, just speaking about the player's talents in his own light, um, Militao carries those characteristics that you need to be a threat in the box, you know, a good aerial threat in dire moments when your team really needs you to be one. He's an aggressive and physical player, and then of course, I think the one thing that he gives him sort of an edge over others is his passion, which is something that we saw earlier when he missed his earlier chances throughout the match. You know, he'd hit the ground in frustration, yell in frustration, just because he knows his role, he knows what he's supposed to do, and he knows his ability to get the ball in the net, given his talent on the pitch. So luckily, in the end, he was able to throw himself at chances over and over again, and by like, what was it, like, I don't know, the fourth or fifth time, he laid his body on the line and was able to help the team. Casemiro got another goal too. Do you think he meant it? Where he kind of seemingly miscontrolled it into the net. Honestly, Casemiro's goal was a funny one, but ask any Real Madrid fan and I'm sure they'll take anything they can get uh, with the La Liga title race so close. In the build-up play, when you go back to watch it, I do think Casemiro had the intention to get himself in a scoring position. Um, he dragged himself past defenders, and he was anticipating Benzema's through ball. But when I'm watching the play first happen in live time, I think it was a poor first touch from Casemiro. Luckily for him, though, he was in the right space, the right time, and really, the ball was just hit at the right angle that it was able to trickle into the net. I was looking back and there's a few pictures you can see after the celebrations when he scored. He's smiling with almost a sigh of relief in his eyes, you know? I can't believe that I, one, almost missed that, and two, that it actually went in and it saved me from blushing. So I don't think it was intentional, but I think the buildup with Benzema and the idea to get Casemiro in, you know, a good scoring position was definitely good link-up play. Yeah, good point. You make your own luck by making your own chances, I guess. So, Eden Hazard, he started this game. What did you think of his performance? For his first start in the Liga in what seems like forever, I do think Hazard had a decent appearance. Unfortunately, though, he just needs to do more. And I know that's a little bit critical. And it's always a go-to saying that people say, but when you're a player that has the talent like Eden Hazard does, the minimum, the bare minimum even, is not even close to being enough. He had two shots and one key pass throughout this, I think it was like 75, roughly, minutes that he had on the pitch. And in the first half, he was really pulling the strings for his Zidane side. But unfortunately, with him playing in the number 10 role, he has a lot more pressure on him. And he just needs to make decisive plays in the matches where Madrid need his talent to shine. Unfortunately, against Osasuna, it didn't get to that point. But that doesn't necessarily mean that his appearance or performance on the pitch was something just to throw away. There was still some important interceptions, some important passing, a few back heel flicks as well, which added some style. But in the end, you know, he's there to score goals. He's there to assist the be all end all of a game anyway. And there was just nothing from him in that regard. So should he start against Chelsea in midweek? So in terms of the Champions League coming up, I think it's too much of a fairy tale story to see Hazard start at the bridge. Unfortunately, um, he's not completely at his best and it's a do or die match for Madrid. You know, they have 90 minutes to make it into another final and they're going to have to lay everything on the line and put their best foot forward. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think Hazard is at, you know, the peak fitness that Zidane will want him to be in order to earn a starting position. But on the other hand, I do still see him making appearance, maybe around the 60, 65 minute mark, depending on what the scoreline looks like. 
and hopefully he can do what substitutes are supposed to do and that's make a difference on the pitch with the time he has. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting one in midweek. That's on Wednesday night, that Chelsea against Real Madrid second leg. Okay, Emily, thanks for that. Let's talk about the other Spanish team that's in the middle of a European tie. That's Villarreal. They had a third home game in the space of a week as they hosted Tetafe on Sunday. I was there on Thursday for their Europa League first leg against Arsenal and the entire town is thinking of nothing other than that semi-final. Really, they're very excited and there's an article about that European dream up on LaLigaLowdown.com but it's up to Unai Emery to keep everyone grounded and to keep Villarreal picking up points in La Liga to ensure they're back in Europe next season. They had a tough home fixture against Atafi and Emery resisted the temptation to rotate too much and that paid off because they won 1-0 with a late goal from substitute Jeremy Pino. That's a huge win as they try to consolidate their European qualification position. Celta Vigo and Granada, they're the two teams currently chasing a top seven finish and it was a weekend of contrasting emotions for them. Celta Vigo started the match day with their Friday night fixture against Levante and they became the latest side to defeat the Granadas, who are, how do I put this, let's just say they're absolutely chilling in mid-table and sleepwalking to the end of the season. Goals from Bryce Mendes and Augusto Solari saw Celta win that one 2-0. Granada, meanwhile, they lost their weekend fixture 1-0 at home to Cadiz, which is really quite incredible when you consider that Granada had just won away at the Camp Nou three days beforehand. What a contrast and what an unpredictable competition La Liga is. There's still so much to play for in the relegation battle, the European qualification, positions and the title race, which continues on Monday night with Sevilla against Athletic Club. Then next weekend is a huge one. We've got Barcelona versus Atletico and Real Madrid versus Sevilla. We will be back with a match day recap for that huge round of action. That will be coming out at the same time next week as this episode did this week. As we conclude this one then, my thanks go out to Jeremy Berrien, Sam Leverage, Paco Pollitt and Emily Wilson for their contributions. I've been your host, Hugh McTeer, and thanks a lot for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 